If you enjoy Champions for Children, be sure to check out the new podcast from Nemours Children's Health, Well Beyond Medicine. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts or at NemoursWellBeyond.org to continue hearing the stories of anything and everything related to the 80% of child health impacts that occur outside the doctor's office. And now, the episode of Champions for Children you requested. Enjoy! Welcome once again to the Nemours Champions for Children podcast. I'm Carol Vassar. Today we're spending some time with Dr. Amber Hoffman, who wears many hats at the Nemours Children's Hospital in Orlando, program director for the Pediatric Residency Program, member of the Hospital Medical Division, and director of the Medically Complex Coordination Clinic. From a young age, Dr. Hoffman has been curious, especially about the way the human body functions and why, sometimes, it fails to function. That inquisitiveness sparked in her a desire to work in medicine, a dream nearly derailed when, as she puts it, life happened. I remember my grandmother was diagnosed with breast cancer when I was in elementary school. And I remember as a little kid hearing people talk and me not really understanding what they were saying. And there were lots of conversations behind closed doors and don't let the kids know and trying to be protected. But what I really craved was that information of knowing what was going on with my grandmother. She ended up passing from breast cancer. And although I didn't go into medicine thinking I was going to cure cancer, I really craved that knowledge of what was happening to her body and really was very interested in the biology and sciences. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to pursue this career in, in medicine. And, uh, and then I, um, life happened and I ended up becoming a teenage mom and I thought, uh, well, now I can't do it. And, um, thought about some other careers, thought about some other really great careers, like being a teacher. Uh, I thought about being a perfusionist for a while. And, and I went into the hospital one day and saw perfusionists in action. And I, I couldn't take my eyes off of the surgeon. And I just, knew then that I really did have to pursue medicine as a career as being a physician and that I really felt like that was the only way I would be truly satisfied in a, in a career. And so um, I went full speed ahead and went through college and medical school and, and then decided on pediatrics very late in my third year. And I think it stemmed from having a, you know, when you are a teenage mom, <laughs> as some of us have been, Sometimes we don't have the best treatment, and there are a lot of assumptions that are made. I did not have the best interactions with pediatricians and felt that my worries as a mom were discounted. And so it wasn't until I worked with some really great pediatricians that I thought, well, this is definitely the field I want to work in. I love children. I love their parents. I love this medicine, and I want to go into pediatrics. I didn't quite know what field of pediatrics, but I knew that I wanted to be that kind of doctor that would listen and hear parents and be a part of their journey and to also recognize that we all have stories, we all have pasts, and you should really never judge a book by your cover and use different points along the way to try to inspire those that you are caring for. I'm hearing a theme 
And that is about respect and communication. You as a child, it sounded like were craving not just information, but the respect to be given the information. And as a teenage mom, as the mom of a baby, you wanted the same respect and didn't seem as though, and I could be putting words in your mouth here, you got that. How does that inform the way you communicate today with patients and families? It permeates, I think, all of the communication I have with patients and families and and also what I model for the residents and medical students and, and other learners. Parents need to feel listened to. Caregivers need to feel listened to and not just lip service listened to, but really understood and to have that taken into consideration. Without that, I think it's really hard to find a common ground. I've also learn that a lot of reactions people have, whether it's anger or anxiety or fear, really are not about me as the person. It's the experience that they're having with illness, with loss of control over their the care of their pride and joy, their child. And that helping people through that really challenging time is, is very important. It's difficult to be in control of your actions when you feel like you're losing control about the thing that's most important in your life. If you don't mind my asking, I want to just talk about that time when you were a teenage mom and afterwards going to medical school and doing residency with a, with a child for whom you're responsible. Talk about how you were able to do that. It sounds to me, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it sounds hard. <laughs> I had a wonderful family and a lot of family support. It was hard. There is no doubt about it. In college, I would say I definitely didn't have the quote unquote typical college experience of having lots of fun and exploration. And uh, I was a commuter. I got in, I did my work, I got out, I studied in the library. My daughter was in daycare and I tried to balance taking care of her plus doing homework. There wasn't a whole lot of fun that was had until probably my last semester of college when I had been accepted to medical school at that point. But I was incredibly driven to meet my goal and driven because I wanted to support us and to be able to give to her all the things that I wanted to give to her and be in a career that I felt like I could be in lifelong. Medical school takes everything to another level because Medical school is filled with people that are first in their class and used to being top dog. And then you're in a classroom where everybody has been top dog. And it can be a very humbling experience to recognize you might be middle of the pack or the lower end of the pack or at the higher end of the pack, which then brings its own stress. Again, I had incredible family support during that time period. There certainly were ups and downs. And I clearly remember my daughter, Catherine, saying to me once when I was on a uh, rotation where I was getting ready to get off of a very demanding medical school rotation where there was a lot of call and I was going to have a a little bit of a better schedule. And and she told me, you know, mom, when I'm older and I don't want to play with you anymore, it's because you chose to go into medicine and to abandon me. And that was like a knife to the heart. (laughs) My mother said, Catherine, how could you say that your mother... And she said, well, it's true. <laughs> so <laughs> I'd, I'd say definitely there were rough moments for my daughter where she she missed me when I was gone and when I was on call and I wasn't at home. 
she she missed her mom and she loved her grandparents, but she, she missed me too. So um, I feel like she went through medical school and residency with me as well. Dr. Hoffman comes to Nemours as one half of a duo. Her husband, Dr. Michael Bingler, is a Nemours cardiac cath doc. Together with their teenage daughters, they moved from Kansas City to Orlando in 2016. Her role? To head up the Medically Complex Coordination Clinic at NCH. Children with medical complexity represent about 1% to 3% of all pediatric patients, but they're responsible for over a third of the health care costs and sometimes more. So these are children who generally have a significant reliance on medical technology in order to survive and function. They often have feeding tubes, tracheostomy tubes, and ventilators to breathe. They may have vagal nerve stimulators to help prevent them from seizing. They may have VP shunts because of hydrocephalus. They're often in a wheelchair or have different types of bracing to help them maintain their, their form and their function. Many of the kids I care for have very rare chromosomal abnormalities, sort of the you know one in 100 in the whole world type of chromosomal abnormalities or genetic uh, abnormalities. I also care for children who have neuroregressive diseases where they may be developmentally regressing and not yet at the point where they're reliant on a lot of medical technology, but because the disease process they have has no cure, they will be getting there at some point in the future. So very few patients that I have in clinic are able to walk and talk. I have a, certainly have a few that have are very sharp in mind and uh, have bodies that uh, really challenge them on a daily basis. Currently, my clinic sees over 319 children with medical complexity, and we're growing faster than we can keep up with, quite honestly. <laughs> what, what is it about this particular group? What is it that makes you want to work with them? Because I love them and I love their families. I get, I get a lot of joy out of caring for them and really a lot of joy out of helping their families because often they have been in that position, I think, that I was as a young mom of having concerns about my child that were brushed away. And when I had concerns that there really was something wrong with my child. And there was, I felt a great deal of maternal guilt. So I, I know that place. And I, I don't want anyone to ever feel like they're in that place. I admire these parents and caregivers for the work they do day in and day out. I get to go home. I get to go home to my lovely family. And they never get a break, ever. They are day in, day out, sort of in a constant state of fighting to try to get what their child needs on a regular basis. And anything above and beyond that is even more challenging. So if my team can somehow help them and alleviate some of that pain and pressure and get them the things that they need, I, I think it's it's all worth it. All worth it, not only for Dr. Hoffman, but for her team as well. So I definitely couldn't do it without a team. And that's something that's really very apparent um, for anyone who takes care of children with medical complexity. I have a nurse practitioner, Heather Aldridge, who originally hailed from uh, AI DuPont, and she had been a neonatal nurse practitioner and uh, moved down to Florida when her daughter came down to attend nursing school. And Heather has been my, <laughs> my right-hand man in terms of a lot of patient care management and doing a significant amount of follow-up visits. So she's really the glue Monday through Friday that really helps to keep the clinical pieces moving forward. 
I have uh, a full-time nurse, uh, Melissa Rizzo, who joined us just recently in the last year, who is helping with getting our patients into the room, getting records for them, um, taking care of making sure that all of their paperwork, and there is a lot of paperwork for this patient population, is making it to the right people with the right signatures and, and the right orders so that they get the supplies that they need. Christy Reich is my social worker. Many of these families live in an almost daily crisis because of how challenging it is to care for a child with special needs, sometimes several children with special needs, with the uh, insurances that may or may not be covering the costs and being able to potentially work or not work, depending on the the needs of the child. So she's really focused on helping with school-based issues, helping these kids get the best education and services that they can, and really helping with a lot of social determinants of health gaps related to insurance, their finances, uh, legal issues, and advocating for them to connect to as many resources that they can. I have a full-time, uh, or not full-time, I need her to be a full-time, as she tells me on a regular basis, uh, Erica Fineglass, who I share with pulmonology. She is a, a registered dietitian and is just absolutely fantastic with this patient population. Dysmotility and feeding issues are very common. Erica is incredibly adept at knowing the ins and outs of every formula there is that's out there on the market, as well as with blenderized diets, which a lot of families want to try to pursue when they feel that they have failed the conventional formulas. And she is just absolutely um, indispensable in terms of helping the patient population in a way that I certainly don't have the, the expertise nor time to be able to do so. And then I have Angelica Martinez, who is my health coach. And she is helping us with a lot of care coordination behind the scenes, but also works with the families to create some personal goals for themselves as caregivers, not just always patient focused, but family focused and focusing on themselves. Many caregivers haven't seen a doctor for themselves in years. They live every day thinking they're just going to live forever, but they neglect their own health. Sometimes by promising that they're going to, you know, see a doctor by the next time they come to to visit or take a walk on the beach or finally fill out that paperwork that they need to finish, whatever it is, um, she has some goal setting with them. And then they're very excited to come back to to tell her (laughs) that they've actually achieved those goals. It's almost like, you know, you know, you're going to have to come back and tell the teacher whether you did your assignment or not. So it's it's good pressure to have. So we're, we're all in it together as a team. It's like it takes a village to raise a child uh, that is a complex needs child. And for the complex needs child in 2020, as for all of us, there is one other consideration. COVID-19. It's put a stress on all of us. This The coronavirus has been really tough. Um and we're continuing to try to find ways to support one another because it's it's not something where you know it's going to be short term. It's We know it's going to be a long term. We had a session today talking about COVID and its impact on on your life. So we've we paid extra attention to the mental health of our not just our, only our residents, but our faculty members. And COVID-19 has affected all of us, our everybody in some way or another, and we're all under additional stress. So uh, helping with peer mentoring and keeping an eye on one another 
is even more important now than ever before. We're already a, a little bit ahead of the curve in doing some telemedicine visits with our patients for follow-up because it is hard for a child with medical complexity who needs to have an ambulance and stretcher to bring them to a visit to, to get in and to be on time for an appointment uh, with traffic and everything else that goes into uh, packing up for that type of a visit. So we had already been using the telemedicine and, and we're continuing to do that in our complex care program. We definitely miss the hugs, though. We Aww. miss the, the hugs. We miss the the closeness. We miss the congregation. Is there one child or family that sticks with you? I'm sure there must be a lot in your area, but is there one? There, there are so many, but I will say that there are a couple that really stick out to me. And one was the first patient that I really cared for that I felt was truly my own once I was a faculty member, that this was my patient that I was managing and their complex needs. And it was a, a young little boy who had Tay-Sachs. And Tay-Sachs is a neuroregressive disorder that has no cure. So his family was just an incredible family. And he was an incredible little boy. And I felt so honored to be able to care for him during the time that he was alive and even more honored to be there with the family in, in his passing as well. I attended his funeral and when I got there and, and got through what was a, you know, a very long line of people and got to his parents, they started to introduce me to everybody that I had been talking on the phone with because we had been doing a lot of his palliative care at home. So I got to meet the pharmacist and the, the nurse and the DME provider and all these people that had been part of his network and part of his care team. And it was just this incredible experience that I was able to be welcomed into their family uh, a part of one of the most dire parts of their lives and to be able to celebrate with them at the same time, the loving family and medical family that surrounded him uh, during his care. Dr. Amber Hoffman is the director of the Medically Complex Coordination Clinic at Nemours Children's Hospital in Orlando. She's also the program director for the Pediatric Residency Program at NCH, and we'll hear a little something from her about that program next week. It is always a delight to talk with Nemours Associates from across the enterprise for the podcast, and we thank Dr. Hoffman for taking the time to do just that today. We welcome you to share your Nemours story. We are socially distanced and can arrange an interview at your convenience wherever you may be. Simply email us at podcast at Nemours.org. That's podcast at Nemours.org. You can find our podcast on your favorite podcast app. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Week after week, Peter Adebi and Deborah Griffin provide production assistance that make this podcast possible, and we thank them. Our music is courtesy of Blue Dot Sessions in Fall River, Massachusetts. I'm Carol Vassar. Thanks for listening to the Nemours Champions for Children podcast. As always, please stay safe, stay well, and thank you for all you do for the children we serve. <laughs>